Hey, everybody. Welcome back to my channel. I am Allison, and this is the Devotional Hearts Show. And this is my second panel discussion. I'm very excited to have three guests who have already been on my show. I'll have the links to each of their interviews in the description. And I encourage you to watch those interviews. They're all really good. Um, my guests are Kevin, Nick, and Ray. And um, we're going to be talking today about the fall and then also how the church is the hospital for the soul. And for those of you who don't know me, I was a new ager for about 30 years. I started reading the Bible in 2020. And in 2021, in April, I discovered Orthodox Christianity, and I'm now a catechumen at my church. I should be baptized this year, hopefully. And I started this channel to interview Christians, uh, particularly Orthodox Christians, to learn about their journeys and how they converted, why they converted, what they love about Orthodoxy. And I learned something from each one of my guests. And I had this idea to start doing panel discussions once a month on a particular topic. So what I do is I choose the topic and then I think about who from my previous interviews would be the perfect guests to discuss the topic, teach me something new. And so I chose Ray, Kevin, and Nick because they are brilliant and fun and interesting. And I, I just really enjoyed my time with each of them during the first round of interviews. So I'm very, very honored that they agreed to participate in this panel. And like I said, I'll be doing these about once a month. And um, if anybody has any ideas for upcoming topics, please leave those in the comments. I'd be interested to see what you guys want to learn about. So what we're going to do is I'm going to introduce each one of my guests. They're going to tell us a little bit about their channels and what they love about orthodoxy or how long they've been orthodox. And then we're going to get right into the topic and each person's going to talk for about 10 minutes and then they'll have another 10 minutes to respond to what the other guests talked about um, concerning the topic of the fall and how the church is our hospital for the soul. And then at the end of today's discussion, each of my guests will leave you with a closing statement. So um, I'd love to introduce Kevin, first of all. He um, is a bookstore owner and a content creator. Welcome, Kevin. Hello. Um yeah, so I've been doing Freed Indeed Ministries, which is my YouTube channel and uh, nonprofit. I've been doing that since 2016. And at that time, it was basically started uh, as I was coming into more mainstream Christianity from out of a cult, a Sabbath keeping cult, Seventh day Adventism. And so, um, so that's why it's called freed indeed is because I was really motivated by the verse in scripture where Jesus says, uh, if the sun shall set you free, you shall be freed indeed. Mm -hmm. And I was really into this concept of this freedom from the bondage of the, of cults and 
Um, and that sort of led me into Eastern Orthodoxy because as I was practicing apologetics, I realized that, you know, I needed to have consist. I needed to, it wasn't enough to just say like, well, the cult is wrong. I had to have a consistent basis for that. And so over time that led to um, Orthodoxy and now owning a bookstore, um, which we talked a lot about last time, so I won't go too much, but definitely check out Queen of Peace. We're trying to add more of an Orthodox flair to the bookstore and really bring um, bring some accessibility to books that have not necessarily been super accessible as well. So that's our big project right now. Awesome. Yeah, for my audience, I just want to mention that you'll notice in the descriptions of my videos, when I leave a link to a book that we talked about during the interview, I always try to leave a link for Kevin's bookstore. So really um, appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, it would be so easy just to put Amazon links for every book. And I thought, you know, I really want to support my friend and his business. And so um, if you guys have a book on your book list and you're thinking about buying it from Amazon, just check with Kevin first, please, if you don't mind. And uh, next, I would like to introduce Ray. Welcome back to my channel, Ray. Thank you for having me, Allison. My name's uh, Ray, Ray Gregory Santos. I make uh, simple, simple orthodox videos, really basic stuff. I'm not really that type of intellectual guy. I try to make videos that are simple for people to understand and know. And I'm trying to also get back with my uh, political type of um, uh, videos too. Uh, I'm one of those people, you know, they tell you that the three things you don't talk about is, is money, religion, and politics. Those are the three things I always want to talk about. And so, <laughs> so I really want to do that with my um, videos. But how I found orthodoxy, well, I grew up Pentecostal, you know, as part of all the church programs and all that stuff. I left the ch I left the Pentecostal church, or I guess I would just say I just left Christ. I like got 20, uh, 21, then um, just became atheist for like a good number of years, about like eight years. 2020, I came back to um, uh, Christ, tried to figure out, okay, why do we, you know, well, first, you know, as you get older, hopefully most of us would get a little bit more wiser and open-minded, right? And so when I came back to Christ, I wanted to check out all these other um, Christian denominations and other beliefs. I was like, okay, so, you know, it's Christianity is Christianity, right? So let me see how everything is. Then I learned that Christianity had history. It wasn't only just a Protestant Reformation, like what I thought in the Crusades, thanks to Hollywood and other fun media, you know? And so as I learned about uh, history, I learned about tradition, I learned about all this and that. In the end, I kind of realized that I either had to go west or east. And I decided finally that I think, you know, orthodoxy was the path to go to. I was instantly hooked by um by um what what it um I guess what it what it gave me. And the topic today is one of the main things that really brought me to orthodoxy. So now I got inspired to um uh make videos. I got a blessing for my uh priest back then to really make some videos, but just again, basic, simple videos for now, at least of what orthodoxy is, what Christianity is, and then also with politics and, and all that other stuff and, and topics of today. Awesome. Thanks, Ray. 
And my next guest is Nick and his channel is called The Green Feathers. And I'm so grateful for his friendship. We've um, just, you know, he's actually my biggest financial supporter of this channel. So I want to thank him so much for that too. And um, (laughs) I see a happy birthday balloon back there. Whose birthday was it, Nick? Oh, my wife's birthday was on the third. Oh, two days after, two days before mine. Wish her happy birthday for me. (laughs) I will. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be on right now. I can't even believe you asked me. (laughs) Really? No. Oh my gosh. No. And Um, you, and thank you for having me on your show too. And I have that link in the description of most of my videos because I thought our discussion was really fun. And yeah, I, I, back then I, I checked out your channel and I just thought, you know, like here's this very unique uh hosts bringing in all these great guests like ray and uh kevin hughes how you doing guys um that you know there's just so much content on your channel that i think a lot of people should check out if you're not already subscribed please subscribe to allison's channel she's got a lot of great stuff my my channel uh i started back in 2009 so i was like a teenager and uh for me it was just kind of like it, what it still really is, is kind of just like a person, I don't want to say like a personal journal type of channel, but it's more of like a collection of unique experiences with uh, collaborating with other channels on both creative projects, combinations. Um, lately, in terms of uh, the last, I would say, three or four months, I-, I think more like three months, I've been doing interviews with primarily people uh, in the Orthodox community. Uh, on YouTube. And I'm currently, uh, I was baptized Catholic and raised in the Catholic Church uh, as as my wife. And uh, we discovered orthodoxy a couple of years ago, uh, especially through watching like some of Jay's debates, Jay Dyer, and um, a lot of other uh, content creators on YouTube. But also, I was fortunate enough to grow up going to both uh, Catholic Mass, but also Divine Liturgy, uh, Orthodox liturgy because one of my grandmothers uh, was raised Orthodox. So for me, that was always kind of part of my heritage. And I discovered that as like the fullness of the Christian faith, kind of like I would say I grew into that within the last few years. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you, all three of you. So, Kevin, let's get right into the topic of the fall and the church as the hospital for the soul. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. So um, there's there's so much that could be said and so much that needs to be said. But I think the most important thing is um, a couple things. One is that the for those unfamiliar, there are three events that... Um, get spoken about broadly as the fall. Um, In Western Christianity, we usually only talk about one of those events, but there's actually three. There's the fall in the Garden of Eden, which brings about death. And then there's an event at the beginning of Genesis 6, which most Western Christians view as a little bit of an afterthought, but that's actually the second fall, and that's uh, the wedding of human beings to demonic fallen angels and that is where the bible actually talks about human beings becoming 
depraved. So you have the first fall equals death. The second fall equals a kind of depravity. And then the third fall of mankind is the Tower of Babel, where man tries to control God and God gives man over to the, uh, it says he divides man according to the sons of God. Um, So he gives man up essentially, but then the rest of scripture is God essentially correcting these three falls. And what that results in is the church, is Christ establishing his church on earth. And one of my favorite quotes from St. John Chrysostom about the church is, the church is a hospital, not a courtroom for souls. So John Chrysostom's words really resonate with me in a lot of ways. Um, But there's two main ways that I think we talk about the church as a hospital. One of them is the way John Chrysostom most directly means in this quote, which is um, in a, which is he's contrasting that the church is not a courtroom. The role of the church is not to stand in judgment over people and condemn them. That happens at the last judgment. That's up to God, not up to us. The role of the church is to be the hospital where people receive healing because ultimately sin is a disease and Christ is the great physician and it is by his work and by his sacraments that he's given to the church that we receive healing from our own sinful nature. So um, one of my favorite ways to think about this is something you see in the novels of Fyodor Dostoevsky, all of his characters feel very real. And one of the reasons they feel real is because they're kind of gritty. They're kind of not that great of people in a lot of ways. Um, And one of my favorite books by him is a book called Crime and Punishment, which, spoiler alert, um, but Crime and Punishment is essentially the story of a murderer being led to redemption in Christ by a prostitute. And it's truly a shocking story, but it's also an extremely beautiful story. And I believe that that's something that we can understand when we understand the church as a hospital is that the church is not a place for people who have it all together and are perfectly righteous Um, The church is a place for sinners to come and receive Christ. But I think there's another way in which the church is a hospital. And that is um, living in this fallen world because of these three events, we experience deep suffering, real suffering. And the church is an answer to that as well. Allison knows that in our in our interview together, one of the things I talked about was that it was actually the death of my son that really woke me up to orthodoxy and to the need for something that goes beyond the intellectual. And 
the church and her sacraments are not just a they're not just an intellectual idea it's not just like going to a psychotherapist and having them analyze me and tell me you know um some tips and tricks for how to deal with my grief or whatever um or normalize how i feel about whatever no the church has real ability to heal us has a real ability to give us what nothing in the secular world can give us and to take when you're suffering when you've lost something dear to you someone dear to you the church is the place that has the healing balm of christ and well the new age movement the secular world various cults all of these things offer us various solutions but i think that those of us who have tried those solutions find that they come up empty and end up being meaningless but the church has real solutions that don't come up meaningless they are meaningful and they actually um go beyond just being meaningful in themselves they pr- give meaning to your suffering and you experience Jesus Christ being with you in that so um for all of those reasons the church is a hospital for sinners and not a courtroom wow powerful i love that so much i i totally relate to that because as you know as someone in the new age for 30 years i tried so many tips and tricks you know always on the search for the next one and um maybe this one'll do the trick and i and i don't i didn't even have that conscious awareness of that it was just this search of like expanding my consciousness and chasing the next high and um so yeah i i relate to what you're saying and i'm only brand new to orthodoxy but i've already I haven't even received communion yet. I don't. I don't have that experience of taking part in all of the sacraments of the church, and yet I've I've already felt like I've received so much healing just by going to divine liturgy. And that's why on this channel I invite people to just check out a church. Just you know, um, just go and and then stay for coffee hour and try to meet the priest and ask him questions and meet the other parishioners and hear their stories and there's just so much healing and transformation that I've witnessed in such a short of short amount of time that I did not see in the 30 years of exploring eastern mysticism and psychedelics and meditation and all the all the modalities that I was attracted to. So thanks, Kevin. Thank you. All right, Ray, you're next. All right. So um, I think, so one of the most interesting things I learned when it came to like with what happened with the fall, you know, when we think about the fall, it's just like, uh, at least for me growing up as a Pentecostal Protestant type of Christian, um, like uh, it's just Adam, Eve, Garden even a Garden of Eden and God and, and it's just that one area, but the fall was cosmic, like it wasn't just on paradise. It wasn't just on uh, Garden even Eden. 
It was on Earth. It was the whole cosmos that really everything changed after that. And knowing how you know, and it, it, it really makes the incarnation and resurrection even more powerful. Like that one thing, that thing that you know Christ has done for us, renewed what the fall, what what happened with the fall, cause you know all throughout time and space which is an amazing you know just it was really mind-blowing thing but then so so that being said so um that being said knowing how the fall has ruined time and space and all that stuff how christ did leave a church to heal us and you know what else would a church be right what else would a church be but something to heal you don't go there just to well Back in my day, you go there just to hear a good sermon and then, you know, have some food at the end, right? <laughs> but the church, you really, in reality, what does the fall really teach us? That's like what Kevin mentioned with the, diff- with the different falls that happen. In, and um, Father Patrick Reardon had a really great uh, post on this. He talked about how, like, um, we all know what sin is, right? Coming from the Greek word amartia, meaning missing the spot. Sin separates us from God, right? And when you're falling, you know, you're, what are we falling? Who are we falling from? From the man above. So you're falling more and more and more and more. The church helps us, helps, picks us back up by how? Through, um, through the mysteries, of course, through the Eucharist and all that, and through the many other gifts that the church brings us. And so um, uh, just what, um, what Kevin mentioned with also with uh, John Chrysostom, I found a good... Uh, Post right here, uh, a good uh, one of part of his homilies. I think this is from Genesis 13 and then Genesis 15. He talks about, he says this, man lived on earth like an angel. He was in the body, but he had no bodily needs. Like a king adorned with purple and a diadem and clothed in royal garb, he took delight in a dwelling of paradise, having an abundance in everything. Before the fall, before the fall, men lived in paradise like angels. They weren't inflamed with lust, uh, were not kindled by other passions either, were not burdened with bodily needs, but being created entirely incorruptible and immortal, and they did not even need the covering of clothing. But because of the fall, we lost all that. But we do have one solution to reach, to Mm -hmm. help obtain that, which is Christ's church, you know? So, like, um, it's just amazing how everything all connects. The fall destroyed everything cosmic. Uh, uh, cosmologically, but Christ's resurrection healed everything, and we're waiting for the resurrection of you know of 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 the dead and the life of the world to come. You know, mm-hmm. so in the end, it's just it's um it's it sucks what had happened. You know, you can't get mad at Adam and Eve. We'd all would we all would have done that. You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> we all would have done that. And I think I heard one. Uh, I read somewhere where, where a priest said if they did pass that test, God would have given a harder test. You know, so in the end, life, like what Kevin mentioned, life is suffering. Some things I can't really, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I can't uh, fathom what certain people have gone through. Like, so, unfortunately, what happened with Kevin's son, I'm sorry to hear, you know, and then with me, I lost my dad when I was 13. You know, life is suffering, yeah. but Christ's church helps to heal that suffering. And Christ's church helps you to really understand that the suffering we go through isn't like, I don't want to say like it's good, but it helps heals us to become better through Christ. And I guess that's it. (laughs) Well, give us a little bit 
about what you said earlier. Tell us a little bit more about how this is part of your journey, what brought you to Christ, because I, I relate to that too. When I heard the story, or really, when I really understood the story, because I, of course, when you're a child, you you hear about the serpent in the garden, and mm-hmm. but I wasn't raised Christian, so I, I only knew about it very peripherally. But when I started reading the Bible and then started to really understand what that is about, what that what that serpent was offering, and how by being a new ager, trying to be my own God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I was doing things that were taking me further and further away from God. And when I became a Christian, now I had um, an explanation and um, not just tools, but um, a worldview that made sense. Like that, like mm-hmm. it was finally all coming together and it, and it continues to every day. The more I learn about Christianity and the more I pray and the more I devote my life to wanting to be as close to God as possible. Um, uh, so anyway, I don't want to make this too much about me, but um, when I did understand that I was just like Eve wanting to know everything. I mean, we're not meant to open our, I was listening. I think think it might've been Jerry exposing powerful lies. Somebody was saying today that, you know, we're not meant to have this vision blown open where we know all things in the universe and have all these powers. I mean, God didn't, God, created us a certain way to protect us from those realms that are supposed to give us all these higher consciousness gifts and abilities. And it's, it's a, it's a demonic realm, but I had no idea when I was exploring those places and God wants to keep us protected and safe. And by trying to become like God, I, all I was doing was getting, as I said, growing away from him, away from the truth, further into deception, further into misery and um, depravity, ultimately, you know, and so um, I just feel so at peace. I don't know. It gives me a sense of peace that I have the church and um, the teachings of the fathers and, you know, our community online and then my church community, my godmother that I can ask questions to, I can call her anytime. Um, My priest is always there for me. It's like God created this church or Christ came and with his apostles created this church for us to keep us protected and safe and to allow us to have the worldview and understanding of reality and truth. And it's just so powerful. Indeed. So anything that you can say about that? Yeah. So, so understanding how the fall works really helped me to understand the gospel even more. So me being uh, going Pentecostal Christian, what those, what was the gospel for me growing up? It was just Christ died for our sins because we're sinners. And, you know, what Adam and Eve did, it was bad, and we're sinners, and Christ died for us, now we can be in heaven. But it's so much more than that. Like what John Casasta mentioned, like, you know, we, we didn't have any of these, like, passions or anything like that. We, we, we were just, we had glorious bodies. 
And then the fall took that away. It, you know, we was getting more separated from God. But what did Christ's resurrect, uh, uh, incarnation resurrection do? It helped us. So, like, it wasn't no longer the, the understanding of the fall helped me to understand. It wasn't just Christ didn't just die for our sins. It was that his, his uh, resurrection helped us to obtain the glorious body that we were all meant to all have at the very beginning. Yeah. So that whole thing and knowing that eventually everything will be resurrected anew. Mm-hmm. Cosmologically, everything, not just here, but us with our, you know, and knowing that the body and soul is important. We know this thing is not, what we have is not horrible and we need to be released from this fleshly prison. No, that, the fall helped me understand that the body and soul is all connected. That's what God wanted at the beginning. That's what, how it all was. And because Christ defeated death by death, and His with his human nature and with his divine nature helped resurrect the body that we had, we've overcome the fall and we've risen up. We're able to rise up. And so that's what I really, like, really, <laughs> it's just when I really learned that, that's like, oh, that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's not just he died for his sins. Mm-hmm. It's that you know, we're able to obtain our the body and soul that God wanted us to have. So and to have eternal life with him. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, Nick, let's hear from you now. All right. Well, going off of what Kevin was saying, uh, the fall as a metaphysical and cosmological event, uh, which sort of has a repetitious nature across uh the totality of space and time so like the fall of the angels there's parallels to that um to the fall of man through adam and eve and then also within our own lives we have the capacity to rise and fall or to grow into god through theosis via the sacraments offered by the orthodox church or apotheosis um which manifest through any number of non-Christian, non-Orthodox routes that you could go. So that old expression like uh, narrow is the path, it's really true because in order to live saintly, it involves suffering. And that suffering allows you to go to, to grow closer to God if you have your mind towards the kingdom of God. If you can, if you're contemplating your suffering with the suffering that Christ endured and also the saints and martyrs whose lives also were literal manifestations of like the redemption offered by Christ, by the sacraments and by living more saintly, which like personally, I love listening to very old uh, Orthodox monks, uh, talk about life like it's just you almost feel like you're listening to a more authentic soul compared to the sort of day-to-day travel you may engage in like at work or otherwise uh there's something to the process of theosis where the soul really starts to shine forth like through our fallen forms which going back to the theme of the fall uh you had you know, the fallen angels come and mix with humans and then all the civilizations that came about through the Nephilim and stuff like that, they themselves fell 
and then all of the uh the bible talks about the descendants of those peoples being kind of like the heroes of old and things like that the old warriors and chieftains and look at what happened you know to all of those cultures they all fell into depravity um pride is such a uh indicator of this across time through individuals through entire groups uh pride anytime that pride seeps in you're already done to a certain extent except within the individual within our own lives it's almost like each day we're gifted this this new dawn uh especially if you know you really have your heart set in christ despite any suffering you're going through like you have the ability to wake up fresh every day Beautiful. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned pride. That's such an important piece to, to all of this. Um, and again, that's, that's, that relates to me thinking I could become a God doing all these new agey practices. <laughs> well, that's rituals. the nature of Lucifer and the serpent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd actually like to recommend uh, Cobain did a really, really great analysis on uh, like almost like an exegesis kind of of like the serpent in the garden. And uh, that video was fantastic. I'd recommend everybody to go to Cobain's channel and check out maybe two months ago, he put it out, but uh, it's just so interesting because uh, there was the image of the Israelites uh, making the, the bronze serpent on his staff uh, during Moses's time. And that symbol was essentially a reflection of so many different like types of that across time, like Christ saying, be like the serpent and stuff like that. Like you have these new agers that try to twist and warp that and other sorts of scriptures to be like, oh, well, Lucifer was uh, an ally. Like uh, there's a lot of, I've met these people and I like, Somebody actually commented on a video. I think on the the video I did with you, I was trying to ar- trying to ask like, oh well, why does Mary crush the head of the serpent if the serpent is supposed to be bad or something like that? And I'm like, if you want to have that type of conversation, that's something that can't be done through comments because that's someone that just doesn't understand what's being implied, which is that the old world pagan Nephilim serpent religion was defeated and that the the pagan like death cults of the old world were eliminated and christ came and basically showed these people that were worshiping all these demons Mm -hmm. like there's only one god and it's the same god that's been helping your ancestors through all the different times that they themselves were going through these falls and then you have the kingdom of israel and the people in the old testament across that whole time constantly falling and getting, you know, exiled and captured and the temples were ultimately destroyed. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, Gnosticism is such a big part of new age belief too. Without, and like, I didn't even know that I didn't even know what Gnosticism was. I don't it's, think. Which is also Luciferian and yeah. the Freemasons are a Gnostic cult. So mm-hmm. Yep, they're all fallen. That's that's basically it. 
talk a little bit more. I want to give you a few more minutes to talk. Can you um, share a little bit more about what you were saying about the saints and martyrs and maybe for somebody who's new to orthodoxy, why, um, why do we make such a big deal about the saints and martyrs? Sure. So Christ died for our sins and it's our job as Christians to be willing to lay down our bodies for our brothers and sisters. Now what the saints and martyrs did in the early church while they were spreading Christianity was they were willing, they were willing to go out to foreign lands that spoke different languages to convert these people to Christianity, to live better lives, to know Christ and to basically move on from those old pagan ways you know some societies were more i don't want to say like destructive or another something like that than another but there were places that were dangerous to go to just like today you don't go to certain places the saints and the martyrs were willing to go to those places to help those people and to spread christ and oftentimes they would perform great miracles to crowds and convert entire nations of people who otherwise would have killed them simply for being present there and you have the conversion of a great many of people's tribes and nations due to the actions of one, two, and three individuals uh, in the early church. Cyril and Methodius for the Slavs, St. John Chrysostom, also uh, great examples. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, one thing I love learning about in Christianity is that we have these 2000 years of stories of these lives of these people. Like you said, they were willing to give up everything in this world for their love for Jesus Christ, because they knew that the ultimate reality is the kingdom with him, not, not this, not this material world um, ultimately. And um, I love, I'm just kind of getting into reading about their lives, but um, I think it's really important as part of our, as part of our faith to read about these struggles and trials that these men and women went through for Christ, for our Lord and for the church. Okay. So Kevin, let's go back to you. Are there anything, any, anything that came up for you while the other two were speaking that you want to go a little bit more deeply into. Sure. So one thing, um, one thing that uh, Ronaldo had said was that um, he had that beautiful quote from John Chrysostom describing mankind in his unfallen state as being angelic in his way of life. And uh, a couple things on that would be one is that, um, St. John the Baptist is often depicted with angel wings in icons. And the reason for that is because we recognize that he actually lived an angelic life. We don't depict him that way because we believe he flew around. We depict him that way because he lived an angelic life. And so there is this hope that we can actually attain to that. And I was thinking, um, it's interesting that, you know, sometimes on my show, and I'm sure on, on y'all's shows, 
you get this too, but sometimes people push back a little bit and say like, well, I don't understand why you would even want that. Like you're talking about um, this release from the passions and all, you know, oh, Christianity is so moralistic and stuff. Well, the thing is, though, is that that's not actually, Christians are not the only ones who have this as a goal. So, you know, New Agers talk a lot about loving Buddhism, but if you actually study Buddhism, the whole entire purpose of Buddhism is to be released from your passions, to let go of your passions. Um, And in philosophy, Stoicism is all about this goal of being released from your passions. And, um, and so it's interesting that when we say it, that's like, oh, no, that's bad. But then when these other people say it, it's like, oh, how profound. Um, and I was thinking about that. And it's kind of funny. But I think the reason why that is, the reason why people don't like hearing it from us is because we have the examples of the saints who have attained to it. So we don't, for us, it's not just a theory. For us, it's like, this is our goal. And there are these people who have done it. So we, with confidence, run this race, knowing that we can obtain this this prize. It's a prize to be sought, not just a sort of intellectual theory to be expounded upon. So that was one thing that I thought was great that Ronaldo had brought up. And um, he mentioned part of his journey to orthodoxy. And uh, you had said, the more that I learn and do, um, the more that it draws me in towards God. And I think this is one of the really unique things about orthodoxy and the sacraments is that the more we encounter it, the more we partake, it's not like anything else that I've ever been part of because anything else, it's like, the more you do it, the more you kind of get burned out, get tired of it. It's like it becomes a special interest for a little while and you're really into it. And uh, and then after a while, you're kind of, you fizzle out. Mm-hmm. But what I love about the liturgy is that it's the opposite. The more you encounter it, the more you benefit from it. And it's not like a snake eating its own tail that just keeps going around, but it's also not like anything else that just burns out. It's like the more you encounter it, the more you benefit from it, but also the more you want more, you have this desire, this hunger for God. And, um, and then I also thought it was interesting that you mentioned that there are some things that we're not meant to know where we as human beings are not meant to know all things. And I thought that that was actually very profound because when you read the old Testament, every single one of the events that we've spoken of as falls of mankind are actually the result of us seeking knowledge that we aren't ready for um in right in the garden the first thing that we fall over is this idea of the knowledge of good and evil um and so that they don't have the knowledge and they want the knowledge and they reach out and take it well now they know good and evil but they already knew good so the only thing they've learned is evil 
And, uh, and so there are some things that we just really shouldn't know. And, and the later falls as well. It's like the desire to know um, in the book of Enoch, for example, it talks about how during this event in Genesis six, the, the way the fallen angels came to us was not like, Hey, we're demons and we're going to destroy your lives. The way they came to us was by offering us knowledge, offering us various um, herbs, various things, teaching us metallurgy and these things, things that aren't even bad in and of themselves. But the problem is, what do we do with that knowledge when we aren't ready for it? It's like um, the smartphone is actually a really awesome invention, if you think about it, that it's enabled us to connect with people all over the world that we would never have been able to connect with. And yet the vast majority of people have not been benefited. Truly, they've been um, the, in, in a lot of ways, they've been harmed by the invention of the smartphone because now, you know, people have porn at their fingertips. People have, you know, self-destructive behaviors right at their fingertips. People don't even talk to each other anymore. Like people, they just sit there and stare at a screen and, you know, you can be having a conversation with someone and they're ignoring you, but that's not the cell phone's fault. The cell phone Mm -hmm. isn't an evil thing. Mm -hmm. It's that it's knowledge we weren't prepared for. And then, uh, and then I loved what, uh, again, Ronaldo said about the understanding the fall helps us to understand the gospel, because if the fall is us being separated from God and us being changed by separation from God, then the gospel is how Christ restores us to God and to the reality that we were supposed to have what we were in some sense, he's giving us our birthright. And um, that was, that was a very powerful thought. So I just wanted to say that that was a powerful thought. And then, uh, and then the last thing I wanted to mention was you had said why the saints and the martyrs are a big deal. And I think the, you know, that is a question that, so many people wrestle with, especially coming from Protestantism, like, why do you guys think about the saints so much? And I alluded to one thing before, that they're examples to us that, like, they have actually attained what we're seeking, and therefore, they they are the proof that God keeps his promises. When I look at the saints, when I look at the martyrs, I know that the God I worship isn't lying to me because he's done it before for other people. So he can do it for me and whatever I'm struggling with, I can know like there's a saint who's already overcome this. So that is um, that in and of itself is a powerful reality, but they're also very important because um, you know, in, in the scriptures themselves, it talks about people who were, um, quote unquote, baptized for the dead. And a lot of modern commentaries have really weird things that they suggest are going on there. But the reality is that being baptized for the dead 
we actually know what that is. It's the practice of taking a patron saint. When I was baptized into Orthodoxy, I received the name Nicholas after my patron saint, Tsar Nicholas. Um, and in some sense, now I have been baptized into Nicholas. I am continuing the life of Tsar Nicholas, and I've taken him as a patron. Well, in the ancient world, taking someone as a patron meant that I was going to imitate that person, but it also meant that that person was going to help me, was going to intercede on my behalf with more powerful people to get me various advantages in society. And that's actually where we get the idea of patron saint is from the ancient Roman concept of patronage, someone who has already attained whatever it is I'm seeking and they're taking me under their wing. Well, St. Tsar Nicholas has obtained what I'm seeking and in a mysterious way, he has also taken me under his wing so that he's helping me, he's praying for me, he... Uh, again, in a mysterious way, I don't know how exactly this plays out, but he helps to guide me. He helps to um, to bring me into a deeper relationship with God. And so I truly believe that this is just as much a reality for us today as it was for those first century Christians who were getting baptized and taking the name of someone who had already been martyred for the faith, that's just as much a reality for us that we have the help of these saints, these supernatural beings who have lived in this life before us and overcome where we are fighting now. They have defeated the enemies that we're at war with now, and we can look to them to help us and guide us. And if we follow them, then we're following them to Christ himself, our Lord, because ultimately he is the one that we seek. He's the one that the saints and the martyrs loved and adored. And he's the one that we love and adore. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's, that's to me, that's what the saints and the martyrs are all about. Yeah. Um, in a nutshell, they're all about Jesus, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. Thank you so much, Kevin. All right, Ray, what about you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else needs really, really to be said. I really did like how Nick mentioned how like in Old Testament times and then mentioning the saints, Kevin adding on to that, because if um, no better example of knowing that the church is a hospital for for sinners is what the saints have gone through and then knowing what happened with the old testament have the constant well of course there were other falls but you know with the kingdom of israel constantly just failing and mm -hmm. failing and failing and so like without like you know like um you you notice how the in old testament times the kingdom uh, i guess god's kingdom was constantly like you know failing when the church came in the 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 blood of the the saints help I guess you can say help to really build and construct the church and Christendom for a thousand years reigned right so and then it's all because of what the church is is a bunch of people willing to die for 
for something greater. Yeah. All right. And and not only just dying, just being a martyr, we're constantly dying to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How does the saying go? If you die before you die, you won't die when you die, right? <laughs> so and and that's what and that's what's really interesting of how knowing that church, the church is a is a hospital where we come we we come to it ex, uh, to accept our suffering and our death, but then see glory and dying due to us being you know obtaining Christ, obtaining the resurrection. It's like how what what the what the church really helps t- us to understand. And I think it's really it's a, I think it's really the um, the true like medicine that really, helps us out is to as how the church accept that at least what the Orthodox church has taught me personally is that it helps you to accept the good and the bad. And when you accept the good and the bad, that can, that's what really heals you. I mean, it's still tough. It's still really tough Mm -hmm. to really get that down. But knowing that through the help of like the mysteries of the, uh, and then the Eucharist of definitely, you know, helps us to really understand. And that's what heals us. And what you mentioned, Allison, about how, that's where that's where that peace comes from, you know, and all thanks to what the saints have gone through, knowing from the history of what happened with uh, ancient um, Israel, you know, and just knowing all that, it's really um, you will see that how the church really does heal everyone, you know, and of course, like that's not to say like other Christian groups don't have their own type of healing and stuff too, but I mean, we're Orthodox Christian for a reason. It's the fullness of uh the church you know of course god can give his grace to anyone everywhere but the fullness where you can get the full peace the love and understanding the true understanding of the gospel what the fall has done what the the death and resurrection of christ has done that's where true healing comes through you know like um I, i i haven't really i never really felt this way with uh when I was growing up as a Protestant, it wasn't really, we weren't really taught that a church really heals. We were there to, you know, that to just, um, I guess, grow that relationship with Christ. Right. But I mean, it's not just, it's not just that relationship that it's in order to really maintain and really uh, better your, I guess you can say relationship with Christ is knowing that we need to be healed. Right. And so I don't know, there's, there's so much other things to say, but I think Kevin and Nick really said a lot more great things in that matter. It's just, um, yeah, I, I just know that the best healer, that the best healing we can ever get is from Christ church. Um, something I thought of while you were speaking was about Western Christianity. Um, you know, I don't, obviously I don't know that much about any of the other, um, like Protestantism and those, I just wasn't attracted to those because I didn't, the idea of being saved and like now, you know, once saved, always saved, um, that just didn't appeal to me at all. So as you're speaking, I'm thinking about how repentance, you know, daily and who, 
I can't remember which one of you was talking about notice dying. Notice how the one save always save kind of takes away the healing factor, right? Right. Yeah. Like, like there's what you no save, need save. for the sacraments now because you're yeah. you're just saved and no need to repent daily. And um, yeah. a lot of them are um, resistant or op- oppositional to even um, using the prayer rope and saying the jesus prayer they they think it's like vain repetitious like a like um doing a mantra like an eastern mantra um it's just a lot of these misunderstandings that i've noticed um online you know could you imagine saying that the name of jesus would be vain (laughs) no i know it doesn't make any sense that's so true like Like imagine saying Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me and sinner is like something evil. That's so, yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't remember which church father it was, but he said when you're saying the Jesus prayer, you're saying it like you're like there's a boat leaving the shore mm-hmm. and you're like chasing after it and you're like your entire being is saying this prayer. You're not just sitting there, like you said, just like repeating some random phrase. I mean, this is, we're talking about our Lord here and we are calling out to him and begging like, Lord, you know, um, I'm a sinner. I'm repenting and just putting your whole heart and soul into it is not vain repetition. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thanks Ray. All right, Nick, what are your reflections? Well, first of all, my phone, I'm in the process of transitioning to my laptop. So if my phone randomly, if I just exit, I'm about to be back in on my laptop. <laughs> I have to switch over. Sorry about that, guys. Um, okay. <laughs> but going off of what uh, Ray was saying, especially, um, it's important also to understand how Christ fulfills so much and heals so much brokenness from the old testament and the decisions made by the ancestors of christianity and that it is the church it's the sacraments because christ is the living word he's still his sacrifice is a living sacrifice offered through the liturgy like the eucharist and the blood is a metaphysical healing mechanism for us it's a divine it's the most divine thing that we can put in our bodies. Like it is what you need to receive as a human being. Um, In that sense, it really is only through orthodoxy that one can attain that level of healing. Um, We lost. There he goes. He's going to transfer to the (laughs) laptop. Just what he was saying. Um, anybody want to comment while we're waiting for him? (laughs) You know, I was, I still think, you know, it's very interesting about that. The vain repetition thing. It's like to say that, because you hear that a lot. It's like, well, that's just vain repetition. But for one thing that misunderstands what vain repetition even means because vain repetition was something that pagans did something that people who have that affinity still do oftentimes where it's like, you're saying a mantra, like you said, 
And, but it's not like a prayer coming from your heart. Mm. Whereas the Jesus prayer, the whole point is that this is the prayer of my heart. Um, But also, again, I just, I mean, there's something almost blasphemous about the idea of saying that the name of our Lord would be vain. Mm-hmm. Hello? There you are. Hi. Hey, sorry. That's okay. Um, I don't even know what I was saying. But yeah, so essentially the church as being the replacement, it's it's the it's God's command, it's the angels desire that we participate in the liturgy there is actual footage and i'm not the type of person who needs this type of proof but in russia of it looks to some people like angels entering the top of into the domes of of a a very important monastery there where there was a very big liturgy going on and i'm a huge skeptic of people claiming to have videos of anything along those realms but like I can at least attest to the grace and and mercy that I have received just despite my like immeasurable amount of mistakes that I have made and sins that I'm highly guilty of. Like mm-hmm. the Lord is very merciful and he's a very happy God and he's a very good father to us. He's not some sort of creepy spiritual guru who's trying to get us like throw up in a bucket from licking a toad and then you, you know, you think, you know, everything in, in the universe, like these new age shaman people trying to convince people that DMT or all, all these other things can make you your own God and your own temple and all this stuff. Like we're not meant to enter into those realms also for our own sanity and protection. Like yeah. regardless of where you think you're going in the noetic realm or in the spiritual realm through those types of engagements, it's like a goldfish knowing how to get around Manhattan on the subway. Like they don't have like, yeah, there's spots to go to and spots to not go to, but like, we're not meant to in this body be able to like zoom through all these different places. Like you have people that lose their minds and wind up institutionalized from these things. Oftentimes or committing suicide. That's what the church of Satan wants. You want to go be a Gnostic in the fullest sense. They're doing orgiastic rituals, psychedelics, all that filth that the internet can entice you into mm-hmm. the Lucifer is the light bringer. So like Kevin was saying before, think about how Apple, the icon for Apple, it's funny that it's called an icon is a bitten apple, just like in the garden. Mm-hmm. It's people taking a bite out of that information realm. And the consequences of it are all in that Pandora's box of the phone yeah. or the computer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so the church, the lives of the saints, and especially their writings. I mean, like it's the compendium, it's a compendium and a continuity of holiness that was started through the sacrifice of the creator of everything. Like people need to think about it like that too. Like the, our actual creator came down as a person and, and then died for us and all these other people who knew him who were healed by him, brought back to life by him and, and still are, we can participate in that. Like, yeah. it's just, it's the most unbelievable and mind blowing thing that a human soul can engage in. So that's for me, why I find such healing in orthodoxy, but everything else that is associated with orthodoxy, like 
the beautiful architecture and, and the liturgy and uh, sacred music and uh, everything, everything that I could go on about of culturally and otherwise there's there's holy roots in that so it's important for people to expose themselves in any way they can to it's that's the holy realm that's the angelic realm that's where god is calling us to he doesn't want us to be hurt out in the the wilderness he wants us to be home yeah oh my gosh beautiful i'm learning so much from all three of you and um this has been so good. I can't wait for my audience to hear this recording. I'm really excited. Um, so I guess now we'll just do some closing statements and um, also maybe tie in for me, because this is something that's been on my mind a lot lately. I'm going to have um, Father Turbo. I don't know if you three heard of him, but he's going to be my guest soon. And I've been watching his channel called the Royal path. And one of the things he brings up quite often is that when we're talking about problems and circumstances in the world, politically um, and otherwise, even um, relationship problems, a lot of times we're trying to treat a spiritual problem without a spiritual remedy, you know, like, um, there are these worldly problems that people are trying to solve with materialistic, um, resolutions, you know, or, um, you know, when they leave God out of the equation, it's like, they're, you're not going to get anywhere because this is something that we need to include God in, in order to, even understand, much less try and work out. So, um, and I have noticed that now being a Christian and then looking at the secular world and the, and the problems of the secular world, seeing how people are trying to um, make change or create like this utopia or um, whatever it is, whatever the ideology is that doesn't have God as part of that um, I think it's probably just doomed to fail. So if any of you guys have any thoughts on that, as you close, give us your closing statements. Um, I'd be really interested to hear what you have to say about that. So Kevin, why don't you start? Sure. Um, so, you know, what you were just talking about, there's a great kind of book series called um, Paradise and Utopia. And it's really interesting because what you just said is very much how this, that's very much the lens through which um, John Strickland, Father John Strickland is his name, how he views all of history. And, uh, and so he goes through the first thousand years of Christianity. He describes it as like paradise because this is, God come down and dwelling among us. And that's what paradise is. It's God with man. And then you have the age of division where you have people trying to have God, but without paradise, because you have this division and schism enter into the church. And that becomes the basis for all, um, all of the ills that 
strike the modern world, whether it's feminism, communism, whatever, that all springs initially from, um, sorry, Roman Catholic friends, but it all springs initially from the Pope dividing from the Orthodox Church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then what you have eventually is this atheistic movement to have utopia, which utopia is basically an effort to have paradise without God. So, and that's where we are now is all of these people want to have the paradise. They want peace of mind. They want knowledge. They want all these things, but they want it without God. Mm -hmm. And the result as we've seen is, a society that just destroys itself. It just spirals down and destroys itself. You know, um, you recently had a guest and I can't remember, I think it was Amy um, was saying that she, uh, feminism is like the trap that intelligent women fall for because it kind of, it sounds nice. Like, oh, we Mm -hmm. want equality. Um, But the problem is that as Tim Gordon says, the problem with saying m- women and men are equal is that um, if something is equal to something else, then it is that other right. thing. Mm-hmm. So what you end up with is actually what we see now, where the female gender has essentially been swallowed up into, um, it's like society doesn't want femaleness to exist. You have women are judged based on how close they can be approximate maleness. And that is what feminism produces. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the point is that this is where utopia is bound to lead because it's a self-destructive ideology that tries to take God out. But contrast that with the church. The church does not offer you a pill that solves all your problems. But what the church does offer you is real healing. And in my own experience, you know, that healing has taken many forms. Um, I have lived a very sinful life, unfortunately, for years before coming to orthodoxy and i've experienced horrible loss um but it's in orthodoxy it's in the church that i find healing from these things and real healing that the world doesn't offer it's not like i can just go to i don't know gender studies class and get get healing from that no you go there and you become look at the people who go to these things they become bitter and angry and shave their head and and all kinds of weird things and i'm not saying that to be insulting i grieve for these people but this is what you see you see people doing whether it's you know whether it's these sort of liberal ideology things or whether it's false religions you see people putting hooks on their bodies and and destroying themselves And uh, or in Seventh Day Adventism, you see people dieting on these really extreme diet things until they 
I have a book by a guy who he never left Seventh-day Adventism, but he admitted that he was literally sitting in his doctor's office and his doctor told him, like, this diet you're on is killing you. You are dying. And he truly believed that he needed to do this to please God. Like, he thinks it's pleasing to God that he's skin and bones and he can't even buy shirts small enough anymore. He's a 40 year old man wearing children's clothes because he can't, he just doesn't eat any real food anymore. It's terrible. The things people do, this stuff doesn't produce healing. These things just make you angry. They make you bitter. They destroy you both physically and spiritually. And again, you contrast that with the light of the church where people experience real healing and you experience the opposite. You come in as a person who's bitter and angry and suffering and hateful and you come out as a person who's loving and kind and gentle and peaceable and who loves your enemies. And this is something that the world can't fathom. And that's the real reason why the world doesn't like the church in a lot of ways is because they don't understand what it is that makes us tick. They can't fathom that this reality that, you know, their things all produce anger and bitterness and all the things that are supposed to fix all their problems, just create more problems. Whereas we might be suffering we might be homeless and yet we have this joy this peace that passes understanding because i'm laying up treasures in heaven and i don't have time for all of the <laughs> i don't have time for all the stuff on this earth and and as ronaldo said you know oftentimes it's even through those suffer through what we suffer that in truth we come to know God even more and there's a mystery there. But um, I guess my closing thoughts would be what melts butter hardens wax. And so if, uh, if you are thinking about coming into the church, if you're thinking about looking into the church or if you've been Orthodox your whole life, but maybe you've never fully appropriated the teachings of the church or you want to grow more. What I would say is jump in with both feet and give yourself over to that in humility. Because if we come to God with pride, then we will walk away from God hardened and we'll be like the clay. Um, but if we come to God with humility, then we'll be like that butter and we'll find that he melts us and transforms us and conforms us to himself. And that's where real healing is found, is in the mysteries of the church being conformed to Christ. Wow. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. Okay, Ray, you're next. Right, so <clears throat> what are your closing thoughts? So I guess I just to really solidify how the church is a hospital for sinners. I basically think that how I see is that all the mysteries we have are all for healing. Baptism is for the remission of our sins. 
the, with chrismations, the sealing of the Holy Spirit to help us lead us to the truth, through the guidance of the church, right? And then we have the holy orders, the clergyman to help, you know, do, uh, help us help do all the mysteries that we need to receive. The other mysteries being that um, we have holy unction literally for the sick, healing for the sick. And then we have um, confession to heal us from the sins we've done to remind us of the baptism that we've uh, that, um, that we've done for the remission of our sins. And we, we, uh, we get healed from that. And then on, t- on top of all that with the Eucharist, you know, to help us be, um, uh, help us get closer to Christ. And you know, what's the really interesting thing about how to, how to really obtain healing and, uh, to help us, I guess, to obtain true like healing with the church is that how with the Eucharist, we have to prepare ourselves, you know, you know, normal medicine, it doesn't matter how sick you are. You just get it right mm-hmm. with the Eucharist. You got to prepare yourself. Mm-hmm. We, we, how do you do that? By, by baptism uh, and then the chrismation and then by um, confession and through the holy orders of the church, you know, through the deacons, priests and all that. Well, I guess the priest helps with the confession, right? It's all about in the end. Uh, getting closer to God and healing yourself. Everything we have is all about healing. Um, so to really help hone that in, if you ever, I guess, um, for people, for Orthodox Christians, you know, if you haven't gone to confession yet, if you're not, if you, if you haven't been able to, have you, if you haven't been able to, excuse me, you know, try to schedule an appointment as soon as you can. Um uh, for ones who are still kind of curious into it, you know, look into it more. Talk, to, go to your nearest uh, Orthodox parish and talk to the priest, you know. So I just want people to know that everything we have in Orthodox Church is all for our healing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned confession. We didn't really talk about that today, but my mm-hmm. priest in my um, one of my catechism classes he was talking because i didn't know anything all i know about confession is what i've seen in the movies of the roman catholic (laughs) confession and um he the way he explained it was so interesting that he when you confess and i'm not i'm not going to say it as well as he did of course but um when you confess your sins then he can give you maybe um a prayer rule or something Mm. that he knows will work because he's he's either done it himself because he's a sinner too and he's practiced on himself or whatever or he's given this healing remedy to so many other people and watched and seen over time the result of that and i just thought that was so interesting because um i didn't know that and of course i haven't been to confession yet i'm not baptized but I look forward to that. And it is such a beautiful gift. It's not just about feeling bad about yourself. And now someone knows this horrible thing that you did because now you've told your priest what a sinner you are. And, oh, now I feel even worse. Like that's not what it's about at all. What else did you want to say about that? You know, with confession, it's not just like, okay, your sins are done. But Mm -hmm. like what you mentioned, the priest doesn't do like, you know, doesn't just like, Okay, bye-bye. I'll see you later. I'll see you on Sunday, you know, but it's just like he gives you advice, he helps yeah. you and he guides you as mm-hmm. he the, you know, there are we call them father for a reason. They father us, we're spiritual children. Help, you know, he help uh the the priest, he helps us out, yeah. you know. And um and also like um for others for people who are still kind of nervous with getting um confession, 
I'll tell you this. My priest and all the priests I've met, they've never mentioned anything about anyone's sins ever, you know? So th- there's none. And you know how I know, because, you know, at coffee hour, we don't talk about what, hey, did you hear what father, you hear what no, we don't talk about any of that. The priests, you know, the priests are the Orthodox priests. Don't tell your sins to anybody else. Mm-hmm. He's there because, you know, uh, he was uh, ordained to help take that sin from us and guide us. Yeah. So for people who, um, for people who, you know, are still kind of nervous about confession, don't worry about it. It's all healing as what the church is supposed to be. The priests are ordained by the bishops, of which the bishops were appointed through the successions of the apostles, yeah. of the 12, and the apostles and of the 12 through Christ, yeah. who's all led, who uh, who's uh, all led by the Holy Spirit to lead us all true. Right. You'll be right. fine. Yeah. So that's the thing. And it's hard. It's still kind of hard. I mean, I could say all this and people would be like, yeah, I don't know. You know so I know it's it's sometimes a mental barrier to come overcome, mm-hmm. but you know that you know that's what the the church is all about healing. Just from I just that's I guess what I want to really people to get with the um uh, with my closing statement is that with what happened with the fall cosmically, the church healed cosmically mm-hmm. through the mysteries mm-hmm. and through Christ. So, yeah. Thank you, Ray mm-hmm. and Nick. What are your final thoughts for us today well one thing i was thinking about when you mentioned uh sacrament of confession was the seraphim placing uh the burning coal uh in the mouth of um i believe it was elijah uh if i'm wrong please correct me um i'm probably wrong isaiah isaiah sorry um and how confession is like our ability to do that while we're still alive it's the ability to go and become like without sin because what that did was it blotted out the sin from isaiah um so confession prepares us to enter into the kingdom of god which is literally the presence of jesus in the eucharist and in the blood as well so it it allows us to enter that state of grace by which we can appropriately, you don't want to go to your friend's fancy dinner party in shambles and like, you know, not acting like yourself and out of sorts. Like you want to go to the king of kings in a state of grace. I mean, I'm perfectly, you know, guilty myself of not, adhering to that you know at different phases i i don't always confess to being as like aware of certain uh you know principles and stuff like that as i am now but it's important like kevin said at the beginning like orthodoxy is not just some sort of intellectual space to communicate in about and and surmise different things it's a living it's it's the embodiment of the living kingdom of god it's the establishment on earth it's a cosmic kingdom here to rule it's not just like some club that you can go and talk about the bible at it's the engagement in the spiritual realm by receiving the gifts offered by jesus himself through as ray just mentioned the succession of the apostles the the archbishops and bishops and everything leading down to 
myself, my closing statement, the reason maybe why I went from Catholicism into Orthodoxy had to do with uh, my personal refutation of pap uh, papal infallibility. Uh, I didn't really understand that concept in in the level that I do now anyway, until like a few years ago. And uh, I guess really listening to a lot of debates also really helped me understand deeper concepts better that opened my eyes to orthodoxy as the fullness of faith. So myself, my wife, and uh, my babies, we were fortunate enough to find a Russian Orthodox church near me. Um, it's awesome. I would highly recommend anybody to go check out Russian Orthodox Church outside of Russia near you. And if it seems like they're the place that you should be, uh, maybe just keep inquiring and, and keep looking into it. But definitely feel free, you know, just to read up some more on, on the fall. Uh, ch definitely check out Cobain's video that he put out recently on, on the fall, The Serpent in the Garden. I think it helps explain uh, uh, almost, like I said, like an exegete of a lot of the passages that we were touching on. Great. Thank you, Nick. So I want to thank the three of you again. I learned so much from you today, and I know my audience has as well. And I just um, wish you nothing but health and happiness in 2022. And my audience, I want to thank you so much for watching this video, watching my other videos, sharing, liking, subscribing, all that stuff. If you want to help support my mission, there's a PayPal link in the description. If you want to recommend me as a life coach for Christian women, you can send them my Instagram link, which is also in the description. And um, I think that's about it. So once again, you guys, thank you so much. And God bless all of you and your families. Thank you. God thank bless. You. Thank you, Allison.